Good morning. Buenos dias. That was better. My name is Areli. I'm one of the pastors here. Our um, lead pastor, Rob Davis, is not here yet. He will come soon. We just came from the conference in Ohio, the global, the first global vineyard conference. More than 60 nations came together in a room. More than 4,000 people, more than 4,000 people were together worshiping the Lord. It was great. It is great to have some hundred people here and worship the Lord today. And all this started 40 years ago, the vineyard movement, when someone took a risk and it started something. And before I start with my preaching, I'm going to call someone who took a risk and it started something. Andrea, would you come? Good morning. So uh, about eight years ago, I went on a medical mission trip with this church to the DR. And um, at the time, I, my background was I was a nurse's assistant, a nurse's aide. So I had that in my background. Um, and when I was there, I just so admired the work of the nurses and the medical personnel that went down. And um, I, I said, this is what I want to do. I want to I be a nurse so I can be able to go on a medical mission trip and help people with, with this skill. And I just so admired the nurses. So a, few, a couple of years after that, I, um, my daughter was in college, and Ryan was um, on his way in high school, and I thought, I'm going to go back to school to be a nurse. And so I did. I applied, and I took the prerequisites. Um, it took two years to do my prereqs, and then the nursing program was three years, so altogether it's five years. And... Um, I'm telling you, I've never worked so hard in my whole life. <laughs> I'm serious. I um, have great respect for nurses and anyone in the medical field. You have to study a lot. You have to study a lot. And, you know, it took a toll on on me um, because I, I've had to back away from a lot of the things that I love in the, doing in the church. I couldn't spend as much time with my uh, with my friends and um, it took a toll on my family, although John says he got to watch more sports. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so and She finished first. <laughs> she graduated first in the whole generation. Yeah. So yeah, I, I graduated the top of my class, valedictorian, and my dear classmates chose me to give the graduation speech. And um, uh, something happened last week. Yeah, something happened last week. <laughs> something really bad happened last week. <laughs> so anyway, I took the exam. You have to pass the NCLEX board the exam to become a nurse. So I took the exam July 1st. Um, I hadn't been sleeping well for the whole month of June. I'm, uh, and I'm perimenopausal. So <laughs> 
Too much information. <laughs> oh, sure. So, um, yeah, so take the exam July 1st, and as I'm taking the, the exam, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know the answer to that one. I don't know the And I, I started panicking. Anyway, I did the best I could, and I left the exam thinking, I have no idea if I passed or not. Um, I finished the exam in the 75 questions, which is the minimum amount that to pass, and the maximum is 265. So I, I left there thinking, I, I, I have no idea if I passed. Um, and so as you're supposed to wait two days to get your quick results on the Pearson website, they, those are the people who uh, implement the test. So quick results, two days later, I check, and my classmates who had been taking the exam you know, we're texting back and forth, putting on Facebook, I passed, yay, I'm on RN now, I passed, I passed. So I'm trying to get on the website and clicking on quick results, and it's leading me back to the re-register to take the exam. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't pass, I can't believe it. And so I'm, you know, I call some of my classmates, I'm like, I can't get on quick results, what's going on, they're telling me to re-register. And they said, oh, it's probably a glitch. I'm like, no, I think I failed, I failed, I know I failed. And they're like, everyone feels like that. And so I called Pearson, and they just kept telling me, we can't give the results over the phone, you have, you're going to have to wait six weeks. And <laughs> But on the website it said, if you're led back to the re-register for the exam, then it means that you didn't pass. So um, I was devastated, but thank God we had planned to go to the Columbus, um, go to Columbus to the Vineyard Conference. And thank God I was surrounded by my beloved um, sisters, brothers and sisters in Christ, so they could support me. And um, so I cried and got prayer, and Aureli prophesied to me, Mary prophesied to me, you know, you're going to be a nurse. Don't worry about it. This is... Um, There's a thing. Yeah, this is... More than... The test is something that you are not. You are yeah. more than a test. Yeah, more... Um, but I, I think I had such little hope that I, you know, whatever. So I said, I'm going to... When I go home, I'm going to start studying again for this exam. And um, my husband was like, you don't even know if you failed. And I'm like, yes, I do. I know I failed. I failed. And so we got back, and a couple days later, a classmate of mine texted me uh, a snap snapshot, or what do they call it? Um, what is it? That thing, you Thank know, you. that thing. <laughs> I wash your shoe. And it was a picture of my name with RN next to it on the Board of Nursing, um, and I had actually passed. So, <laughs> yeah. But that was, the, I was the only one in the, that, that's never happened to anyone before. You can't get on quick results. That's never happened to anyone before. So I think what I was supposed to learn from it is have confidence in yourself that, you know, you did okay. And, and lean, uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ were there to support me and help me. When I didn't believe in myself, they did. And I think the lesson I'm supposed to learn is that even when you, your lack of faith or you don't you don't believe in yourself, you don't know if God loves you, you turn to your brothers and sisters and have them pray for you and have them support you and love you and have them um, come alongside you and prophesy to you what and who you are in Christ. 
Amen. And we give the glory to God this morning. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you. Well, she already preached. Let's pray. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have been talking about parables. Rob, you, uh, Robert, you did an awesome job. I listened to you online, and he did an awesome, awesome job. Parables are stories that Jesus told. And um, depending on the translation of the Bible that you use, you're going to find out that Jesus used 46 parables. Um, he used a lot of analogies in the beginning of his teachings. Then he started using parables, and at what point of his teachings, he only thought using parables. Parable, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Parables need more explanation than an analogy, and they have moral implication. We use parables to compare two objects to teach a single concept. Jesus used words like, he who has ears, let him hear. He said things like, how much more? Jesus wants the listener to keep the eye on the ball. To really hear what he has to say. And the same concept that he used 2,000 years ago applies today. The parables are still alive and active. And a farmer still is a farmer. Isn't that right, Lucille? And today I'm going to talk about a farm and a farmer. I am a city girl. I'm one of nine kids. And I grew up in a city, back in the day where the long station wagons. Have a picture. You remember that? That was my family car. Eleven of us with buckled, very well buckled, were in that place having fun. Sometimes together, 11 people, can you imagine? Oh, my mom. Together means a group of six or a five, normally the Older ones with the older ones, and the younger ones with the younger ones. I have never seen a grown pig that it was not in a form of chorizo sausage, pork chop, or bacon. So the farm and me together, we just didn't mix. I remember working for a company, an um, American company in Mexico as an HR manager. And I remember that my English wasn't, imagine right now, it was worse. So I have an uh, English teacher. My English teacher came three times a week and taught me English, just her and I, private class. Andrew, we did that, remember? But Spanish. And as I was sitting right there waiting for my English teacher, she comes and says, today we are gonna learn about the farm. What? A farm? I am an Asian manager. Why do I need a farm? Well, today we're going to learn how to say cow and pig in English. And I was just like, okay. But when I really lost it is when she told me that to milk was a verb. To milk or to water 
was a verb. Well, that's hard to milk and to water. All right. I said, you know what? This is really boring. I'm just going to never go to a farm in English, and I will just never milk a cow. Can we move and skip this class? You know, because it's just, this is ridiculous. But she said, no, 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 no. We're going to do this. Well, who will knew? No, that 22 years later, I was going to start looking to become a shareholder on a produce farm. I wanted, it was, remember January, the snow all the way here? I was craving a tomato, a juicy tomato. And I was looking online, and I found this farm. It's called Lifelong Farm. This is their logo. He's here in Hopkinton. It's at the farmer's market today, too. And I was looking and researching uh, and the price tag of becoming a shareholder and buying the produce of this farm was more than a pastor's uh, budget can afford. So I'm like, man, I'm not going to be able to afford to buy this produce. But I love grammar. I don't know you. On the bottom communication of the Long Life Farm website was a sentence that, sentence that caught my attention. It says, volunteer for your food. I can do that. So I emailed the lady, and I said, hey, you know, what about this option? She emailed me back, and in February, we got together, and she said, you know, it's a really hard work. You need to be able to lift 50 pounds at the same time. And I'm like, well, do you see this? I can lift 50 pounds. I'm ready to go. You know, come on, come on, let's bring it. She said, okay, okay, let's give it a chance. So here I am, first day of the farm. Could you get the pictures right there? Woohoo, that's me. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to, it's raining and it's cold, like first day at the farm. And we go there, and I found out a few things about New England that day. I found out that the fences of rocks that we see everywhere are because the fields have rocks everywhere. And guess what? You need to be able to lift 50 pounds of rocks all day long. Boy, was that hard. And I also find out that lettuce are these delicate creatures that they're alive. And when you plant 500 feet of lettuce, they become evil. <laughs> Your bug tells you how evil they are. Oh my goodness. We cover them with that fabric. Um, and I told a friend of mine that, she said, I don't see, I sent her that picture and she said, I don't see any lettuce. I said, they're evil. They're covered by the Holy Spirit right now with a fabric. <laughs> We're praying for them. I also find out, if we go to the next picture, that there are snakes. There are insects. There are, um, there's sweat all day long. There is, there are, there are just so many things in the farm that I wasn't familiar with. But I also find out about um, Laura and Don, the farmers, that there are your neighbors. Uh, in, on Winter Street, and they have this awesome, awesome concept of bringing real food to real families in our area. And I'm enjoying every moment of my Fridays when I volunteer at the farm and enjoying kale, kale, and kale so far. But that's okay. <laughs> it's going to get better. So that is a farm. That is a farm that I, I was not familiar with. 
And today I'm going to talk about a farm and a farmer in the Gospel of Mark. I mean, Matthew. Last time I was here, I spoke about Mark. And Mark used or emphasizes the, miracle, the miracles of Jesus in his Gospel. In Matthew, Matthew uses the teachings of Jesus. He talks a lot about the teachings of Jesus. And I think, when I think about Matthew, I can see how Jesus asked him to follow him. Jesus, a rabbi, that means the great one, calls Levi back then, not Matthew, and calls him to follow him. And the first thing that he does for Matthew, Matthew was a tax collector. Who likes tax collectors, huh? In, in that time, even worse. He called him and said, today you are not going to be Levi anymore. Today, your name is Matthew. I think he wanted to change his past right there since day one. You are not going to be who you were before. You are following me now, and your name is Matthew. And Matthew starts writing about the teachings of Jesus in a way to honor his master, in a way to say, because of your teachings, my life has been transformed. Because of your teachings, I'm not the person I used to be. And I'm going to honor you. Your teachings are so controversial that sent Jesus to the cross. But he was ready to follow. And he was ready to teach about him. So today, I'm going to open with um, the scripture, the Bible, the word of God that is alive and is active. And before I do, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just ask that you will come right now. Thank you for being here. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will speak through me this morning. Let us hear and understand what you have for us. In your name, amen. If you have your Bibles, your apps, or something with an on and off button, turn them to Matthew 13. I'm using the NLT version. He said, he told many stories, this is Jesus, in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant to wilted, wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone with ears should listen and understand. You know, Jesus used parables that change the way we look at things. Parables are right there for us to see the way to change the way we see our lives, or we see the other people's lives. 
he spoke because parables are designed to provoke us, to start conversation, to throw us off balance, to describe the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Jesus spent his life preaching and demonstrated the kingdom. Let's see what Luke 8.1 says. Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and village, villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. What is that? Well, the kingdom of God is present when the sick are sick no more. The, prindom, the kingdom of God is present when enemies are friends. And Jesus spent his life demonstrating the kingdom of God. He went and did and became, you know, the, the, the path to make wrong things became right. He did that. That was part of his life. He wanted the listeners to have it right, to stay focused on what he was saying. Some of them received the news. Some of them were hungry for more. And some of them have problems. I remember growing up watching TV like looks looks like this. So we have a picture right there of the TV. Who remembers that TV? Many of you, some of them are too young to remember that TV. That TV was like the one I grew up with. And it has a connector in the back. Remember that connector? And when when the antenna did not work, what did you do? I remember my siblings and or I going in front of the TV, and the first thing you did is you smack on the side of that TV. Remember? And then move the antenna. And if the antenna didn't work, you created an antenna that looked just like this. Here are all the things you needed to make an antenna. You put it in that connector, and one of us, there were nine of us, will hold that stinky antenna and look like this. <laughs> Watching every show like that. Everyone, anyone who has, has ears should listen and understand, says the Lord. How is your antenna, your communication skills? How are you doing with your connection? Do you need smack on the head? <laughs> To come back and listen to him. Those are the parables that he spoke about. They, he wants us to know what he's saying. And, um, and the kingdom of God is that. It's the good news. But what are the good news? What, how do we say the good news? That's the seed that he's talking about in the parable. It's the seed that comes in our heart. It is Jesus himself that comes in the soil, that is our heart, and produces something. But that seed is the word of God. And the word of God is alive and active. And let me tell you what it says in John 1, chapter 1, 1 to 5. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was God, was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought life to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never 
extinguish it. Let's do a little exercise. I'm going to change the word God, I mean word, and I'm going to replace it for Jesus. Every time that says word, we're going to put Jesus. And every time it says his or him, I'm going to put Jesus. Let's read it again. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Jesus. And nothing was created except through Jesus. Jesus gave life to everything that was created. And Jesus' life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord Jesus is planting a seed in your life. And he wants us to receive it in that soil that will be fertile for him. I want you to look at this picture. And I want you to meditate on it and see if you can understand what is going on. In. This is a picture that won a contest in Mexico. It's called Mexico Sin Hambre, Mexico Without Hunger. And one of the vineyard churches in uh, Mexico used this picture as part of their dumpster minister, ministry. This is a campaign. We see a person, a woman, right there in the dumpster, don't we? What do we know about her? Well, maybe she's a drug addict. She doesn't have a job. She's collecting trash, doesn't she? Maybe she doesn't have a lot of value, huh? Well, we make assumptions and judge people very quickly. But Jesus doesn't. No need to perform or accomplish anything for him. Jesus sees a person worth dying for. God sees his image in that individual. We all need affirmation. And Jesus is saying in our text today, I planted a seed in your heart. I did. I planted it. How are you receiving this seed? Maybe, as Andrea said, sometimes we don't feel like we deserve something. Maybe we fail. But don't make assumptions. Because Jesus knows the value that you have. And he planted that seed. But it has a lot to do with what you do with the seed to bring it to grow. So you have an opportunity every day. You are going to be for Jesus or against Jesus. You are going to accept Jesus or reject Jesus. And if you are following with your bulletin, you have an insert right there. And the point number one is accept Jesus. Or reject Jesus. Galatians 6-7 says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. I will decide to be joyful, helpful, and grateful. Or anger, bitterness, and envy will part, be part of my day today. How is your communication with, with him? What are you receiving and what are you rejecting? The, ch the chance is right there every day, but it's you the one. Chooses. At the farm, we remove the fabric that you saw that was covering the lettuce. 
And not only my, by my surprise, not until the lettuce grew, there were a lot of weeds right there. Weeds were every, everywhere. And in an organic farm, we don't use Roundup. We don't. It kills everything. We use our little hands to pull each weed. Oh, my goodness. But guess what? Sometimes I'm so new of this, I didn't know if that was a carrot because the carrots is under the soil, the soil or it was a weed. I didn't know it. Like, Laura, I'll come here. Mm, I need help here. I don't recognize what is what. And that happens in our lives sometimes. We do not see the weeds that they're growing in our heart when Jesus planted the seed because we don't want to see them. Or we can't. We can't recognize. We need friends to come and pray for us and tell us that we are who we are in Christ. We need to pull the weeds. We need to pull the weeds. What in your life needs to be removed? What is in your life that you need to pull? Many of you knows that, know that I love food. I like to cook so I can eat. Sometimes I run because I want to eat. And I have a problem. I don't need junk food much, but I steal it a lot, a lot. And the people that know me know that I have a problem with eating, that I cannot stop eating, and that's bad. So the first thing I do is to recognize that I have a problem. I have an eating problem. I, I know the root of it, but that is a sermon for a different time. Ah, I recognize, step number one, I recognize that I have a problem. Then I tell my friend Nirma, and many of you, I just told all of you, that I have that problem. Nirma and I pray every week, and she asked me, how did you do with that? I just went 10 days to Ohio, and I ate nothing but junk. It's not going to be good for me this week, coming week. But I recognize the problem. Friends, we need to recognize the problems that there are in our lives in order for us to pull the weeds. If we do not call them by name, we don't know who they are. And we all know what they are. For me, it's food. For you, it could be what you watch on TV or online. How much, how much time do you spend playing video games? How do you talk to your parents? How do you, uh, you spend too much money? I don't know. You know what those things are. So you need to pull them out of your system. We need to bring more joy. The fruits of the Spirit. Remember the kids last, a couple of weeks ago? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit of God. We don't have them. We do not have the, spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. They come from God. And, we, we, and if we have them already, because God is in us, we need to exercise them. We need to be better at, jo at having joy, at loving and caring. We need to get better at those things because at, at the farm, if those produce are not um, eaten, they got rotten. No? So it is the same with us. We need to exercise the fruit of the Spirit. So I recognize my problem, and I start pulling the weeds and fertilizing. That is step number two. And in an farm, organic farm, guess what? I find out that we... Fertilize with fish guts. It is this liquid that stinks. Smells like fish. Would you mix it with water? 
and you water every little plant in there, and it stinks. But it gets right, gets rid of the insects, and it grows the plant, and becomes strong, and it's really good. And before I was even thinking about working in a farm, I was reading a book, a book that is called Faith Like Potatoes. It is a movie as well. It is about a farmer, a South African farmer that became a preacher. And in his book, he talks about a word that I heard it again at um, the Columbus Vineyard with one of the speakers. And no, I did not steal it from him because I got it first. I have proof that I got it first. And that word is Ubuntu. Anyone? Do you know what Ubuntu means, Henning? I imagine you do. Uh, Ubuntu means I am because of you. I am because we are. A person is a person through other persons. A person is a person through other persons. Andrea was able to regain that she is a nurse because we were around at the crisis moment and we reaffirm and celebrate with her who she is. She is a nurse, but she is a child of God that has a seed. So whether she passed the exam or she didn't, she's still with the Lord Jesus. And her antenna was really well connected. Well, I needed a little smack on the head, but that's okay. We are, we are a family of families. I saw them right there. 4,000 people praising the Lord because we are a family of families because someone took a risk and said, yes, I'm going to change. I'm going to bring the kingdom to the world. And here they were. And here we are. And still have a lot to do, don't we? Ubuntu, he said also in his book that faith is like a potato. Everybody looking here. A potato. A potato is plain, simple, and real. And that's his faith, he said. He wants a faith that is plain, that is simple, that satisfies. Do you know that a potato is one of, I don't know, if it's a vegetable? Is it a vegetable? A vegetable, thank you, that not a lot of people is allergic to. It can feed the whole world, this potato. It is simple. It is a comfort food. If you come to my house, if I have potatoes, I can cook something very good. <laughs> Thank you for the commercial. How is your faith? Is your faith real and simple that can satisfy anyone as you speak, as you talk, as you walk the walk that God gave you? Read that book. It's pretty cool. I finished. So whoever wants it is right here. Just bring it back. Number three. I'm going to finish very quick. Promise, promise, promise. Andrea took my time here with the, the discipline, waiting, and harvesting. Number three. Hebrew, Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It is painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living. For those who are trained in this way. I just want, if you were in the 5K training, remember the painful 
uh, cross-training class, huh? The first time the, the ladies were going to come in cross-training, we were going to exercise, and the first time we did it, the following day, the text kept going. I'm sore. I cannot move. I see the stairs in my house, and I want to die. One lady, one lady said to me, the only muscle that doesn't have is my mouth. Is <laughs> what she said. But we were becoming better at something. We were disciplining ourselves. So if we discipline our body, the muscles are going to get stronger. Good athletes have great techniques, mechanics, forms. They become stronger at what they do as they discipline themselves. And what I'm going to try to say in a very, very short period of time is that we need to discipline ourselves to water and harvest. To water. I use the verb. My teacher will be so proud of me. And waiting and harvesting what we walk. How do we do that? Well, we put mechanics and systems. For our, our friends and I, we started exercising. And for other people, if we study, we put me mechanics and systems in our brain to memorize scripture. What about scripture? If we wake up and if we watch the news, or my husband does the scores of the sports teams, or the weather, or fashion, or whatever, what are you going to talk about all day? Whatever you download in your brain, don't you? Why don't we download the Word of God? Why don't we start by reading the Scripture, but eating the potato that becomes real and plain and faithful to us? So I'm going to challenge you to get better at memorizing the Scripture so then becomes alive and active in your heart, in your soul. And when you need it, you will use it. It's there. It's in your system. Ah, the ones that run a 5K, pff, 5K is nothing now. We have to go to the 10K now, huh? You're supposed to say amen. So we create this system. And how do we do that? I was reading the news a couple of months ago, and I, I, I really was very, very, very frustrated when I read the news about this man in California that Instead of paying child support for her, his four-year-old daughter, do you remember what happened in Florida? He picked up the daughter and threw her to a cliff, and the girl died. I just cannot believe that someone would do something like that. That someone will do something like that. And do you know why? Because we don't have character development in our society. We do not spend enough time telling our kids who Jesus is. We don't give them example, not just only for Jesus, but people in the era that brought Jesus here. We need to stop with Jesus, but I remember back in the day of that TV, reading about a guy. His name, San Francisco de Assis, St. Francis. Anyone? Anyone know who St. Francis is? Some of you do. St. Francis made an impact in my life. St. Francis said something that many of you know that I still repeat and repeat and repeat. And he said this, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. We don't need to ya para ya para ya para ya para ya para. We need to walk the walk of Jesus. We need to walk what we say we are 
And Christians, we are not better than anyone. We are just different. We need to tell our kids who these people were, who Jesus is. So that system comes in their heart, and they become better. So today I'm going to close by telling you that this guy, San Francis, was not this great man. He struggled. He was a rich man. He didn't want to work. He was spending money. And one day he had a change of heart. And he said, I am wasting my life. He was really ill. He was really sick. And he decided to follow Jesus. His dad was devastated because no more business. He didn't want to learn the business of the dad. And he locked him up. And he trusted the Father in heaven. And he ran away. And he started to preaching the gospel, to preach the gospel. And he became better. He got this discipline of getting better at the Jesus stuff. And he formed Los Franciscanos, the priest. Pope uses the name of Francis because of him. He was good. He was changing. He had good roots and good soil that produces good life and character. He had a steady life. He learned from Jesus and followed his example. He looked like the lady in the dumpster at the end of his life. But he wasn't, was he? He was a person with character. And Matthew, this, I'm finishing with this. Matthew 13, 18. Jesus is going to do something he has not done before. He's going to finish the story. And he's going to tell us what the parable means. And the parable in Matthew 13, 18 says this. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seed. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and do not understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell along the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. So no fruit is produced. The seeds that fell on good soil represent those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. If I reflect on the life of Jesus, on this parable, and on the life of St. Francis, I can only find one word, one word, steady. We need to keep going. We need to keep walking the walk and learning from the master, and exercising the gift of knowing him, of knowing this plant that we have, that seed that we put in our heart. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And as they sing, I'm going to, uh, I want you to start thinking 
Where are you in your farming and communication process? Maybe you are wondering if your heart is fertile soil and is ready for the seed that is Jesus. Maybe you have never received Jesus. So is that, that is your case, case, why don't you come for prayer? Maybe you are thinking that the weeds in your life are taller than the plants and they are choking you. You need the Holy Spirit to get you get rid of those weeds. So come for prayer. Maybe your plants are growing but not producing the crops that you want. Maybe you are discouraged and you need encouragement. Why don't you come for prayer? Or maybe you just need a smack on the head from the Holy Spirit. And if it touches your head to, 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 to fix the antenna, and if that is your case, just come and receive prayer. We're going to listen to the song. And after that, Jeff is going to come and tell us what happened at the prayer time. And I come back and I'll just close in prayer. This morning as we gather together to pray, I've heard the sermon as Rayleigh had shared things with me. And we sat in the room and immediately someone shared. I just feel like God's saying that there's someone coming here today that needs to have ears to hear and to listen to what Jesus is calling them. I, I, I was stunned that the very message and part of it that she spoke to was the first thing that came out of someone's mouth that was sharing the prayer. And I thought, God's here today. God's speaking. He already knows the message and He's sharing it with others. And the word that continued was, Jesus is our shepherd. And He knows His own. And when He calls out, they recognize His voice. And so maybe today, you've heard that voice and you're hearing that voice and Jesus is calling you. One of the words that specifically came out was, I think we may have a wounded warrior here. Not a warrior in one of the wars that we see on the television, but one of our warriors that have been serving the Lord for a long time. Maybe you've been following after Jesus for a long time and doing things, and you're just exhausted. You're wounded. You're hurt. I think it's the time today for you to come forward, and let's pray with you. And then there was one final word. It was a word that somebody's carrying worry. And carrying worry at a level that's affected them physically, emotionally, maybe even the relationships around them because worries becomes their focus. If either one of those two things relate to you, would you come forward for prayer? Just consider and hear what Jesus is calling you. And if there's any other thing, we'd be glad to pray with you as a prayer team would come up. I think it really has a few final words. Someone just gave me this and say thank you for confirming that the Lord is faithful. The first fruit that they're not kale. <laughs> Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you because we love you. Father, I, I read that 49% of Americans, half of our country worry. They worry because the root, the worry is rooted in something they don't know. 
the outcome. They don't know what is going to happen. So they worry. Some of you worry because what you do when you're awake and you cannot sleep. Friends, we don't want to be entertained with the same sin that put Jesus on the cross. If you worry for what you are doing when you are awake, for what you are watching online, for the things you do when you are while awake, come for prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. Our service is over. If you want prayer, come. People will come and pray for you and with you. You can take your conversation out and have a cup of coffee. May the Lord bless you.